Welcome to the Tuesday Review. I'm Nathan. I'm James. And I'm Callum. And tonight we are talking all about Tarantino's new epic, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Tarantino. Almost too much Tarantino for its own good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which we'll discuss. Um... Look, we're going to, from now on, all our major, like, movie reviews and, and TV, you know, reviews are going to be just full spoilers, because most people don't listen to the episode if they haven't seen the movie or show. Yeah. So, there's no point in, like, beating around, because we always end up beating around the bush and yeah. talking around things. So, yeah, we're going to do full spoilers. I mean, it's Tarantino. If you, This is not an entry-level Tarantino film. If you haven't seen Tarantino's movies or you don't really like his stuff... You're not going to see this movie anyway. It's not a good place to start. And if you have seen his other stuff and you're worried about this one, it's definitely worth seeing on the big screen, even with its faults. Like you, it's like an experience. It's uh, particularly uh, go see it uh, on film if you're able yeah. to. And we should start there, really. Yeah. Because what an experience it was, just the act of seeing this movie yeah. on film. Yeah. So should we talk about that and then go into spoilers, or just do the well, spoiler warning now? We'll talk we'll, about we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that trip, just the experience yeah. of yeah we'll yeah. talk about our trip first and then we'll okay yeah so we we were lucky enough to see the film on film on thirty five millimeter at the Astor Theatre which is the intended way uh, you know as Tarantino who only shoots on film and doesn't like digital photography or projection. You know, He's that's, very analog. He even writes yeah. his scripts longhand. Yeah, he, in like he, pencil. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a mobile phone. He yeah, he's very old school. So yeah, it's it's the intended way to see the film. I mean, even if you can't see it on film, you should still see the you yeah. know, movie. But it's yeah, it's the best way to experience it. And yeah, you get that real sense of like occasion of going to the theater, and which is what. Tarantino's always been about. That's yeah. why that's why he's never been a big fan of like Netflix and stuff because he's like it takes away from the the special occasion of going out to the movies, you know. And he's right, but like, you know, that experience always isn't always easy to no, get. It's especially in Australia. Like in in LA, I'm sure there's a lot of theaters including his own where you can catch old movies, you know, projected on film. But here there's like a couple, maybe, if you're lucky. Yeah. And even then, you know, like, it's not always the easiest or the cheapest to go out all the time. And no, but and we did it. make the effort. Yes. And we... Just, yeah, very special occasion. We, yeah. uh, we were there hours early. <laughs> As we, you know, this, I made this sure, is our thing. I made sure we got there early yeah. to get in line to get front row and this, balcony you know, seats. We're all, we're all punctual boys here, yeah. generally. And, um, and we, we waited in line... At the door for like probably an hour. Yeah. And we got front row seats. Yeah, it but paid off. It was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I always, usually for the show, I always see the movie twice. Um, even on movies, I don't really like that much just because like I'll see it with you guys. Then I might see it with my friends from uni. You know, maybe my dad might want to go. You know, I always just, it always just factors in. And then that way, it's also good because I can... It's like fresh in my mind for the show, like having seen you it. You can twice. remember more. Yeah, yeah, and you can also you can also see the like you get. It's a different experience seeing a movie the first time and then the second time. Like because the second time you see things you don't see the first Certain time. Subtext. Yeah, and subtext you can, you can be, might become. You could be uh, a bit more relaxed, a bit more analytical. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so I saw it again on, on we saw it we saw it together on Saturday, and then I saw it again on Monday. But it was a, also a special experience because I saw it both times on thirty five millimeter. And did you have to wait? Did you have, did you have to line up longer on? Um... Well, see, I got there an hour early because I told my friends, I'm like, I know it's Saturday and Monday are very different. There's not going to be as many people, but I still want to get the best seats. So get there early. Of course, there was like no one there until like. 20 maybe 20 minutes before the session started but still that made that meant we were first in line so i'm like it's better to have to wait an hour to be first in line definitely than to yeah come when there's more people there and then get okay seats or shitty seats but anyway long story short saw it twice great experience both times but yeah the experience of seeing it in a theater with an audience on 35 millimeter film, as it should be, especially with all the crackles on the some, yeah. you know, some of the crackles on the film. That that kind of special uh, magic of film. Yeah, that that kind of also ties into the, like the the theme of the movie, which is yeah. like a nostalgia piece yeah. about Hollywood. We shouldn't. Yeah. Know, I, one thing I want to point out is we went to the 5 p.m. session, mm. and like there was like there was a line, but it wasn't yeah. like big or whatever. Yeah, when we left. It was like literally the term, the where the term blockbuster came from. Yeah, for the eight session. Yeah, the 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 queue for the eight p.m. Saturday session went literally down the road. Yeah, went round like round the block. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so the yeah. was doing all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, yeah, for, <laughs> for these now, yeah. for these few days where they just uh, marathoned once upon a time in Hollywood, they yeah, they were making making all right money. But yeah, I think that I guess we should just move on to the actual movie itself. Yeah. yeah. And we'll just announce spoilers now so we don't have to worry about it. Spoiler warning. So, spoiler warning for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And maybe a small S spoiler warning for some of his other works in case there's relevant. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think he, his, his movies now are so popular that it's like if we spoil them, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, if you're for some reason listening to this and <laughs> are worried about, uh, you know... Pulp Fiction spoilers or something. (laughs) (laughs) John Travolta gets killed coming out of the toilet. (laughs) Spoiled. Movie ruined. Can never watch that movie. (laughs) Um, Poor Vincent. But yeah, full spoiler warning for the movie. Spoiler, you've been warned. So, what should we talk about first? I liked it. Not as much as I thought I was going to like it, though. Yeah. Which is an interesting this, it's an interesting feeling because I assumed yeah. I was gonna come out with like mind blown. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I'll buy it when it comes out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, a yeah. good film. It's uh, compared to a lot of the other movies that are coming out now yeah. that aren't like Marvel movies, damn good. Oh, I mean But Tar- yeah. Tarantino is on his own yeah. kind of level. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I, I mean we'll get into the specifics why, because I'm pretty sure we pretty all yeah. have generally the same feelings. Yeah. So, I'm going to say something and then I'm going to rewind it back. So, the movie is really, really good, really solid, great Tarantino up until the six months later skip. Then the end just kind of farts itself out. I feel like the end is a bit of a piss take that that doesn't live up to the first like two thirds or three quarters of the movie. Now I'm now that I've said that I'm going to rewind it back and say let's talk about all the cool shit in the movie <laughs> before we like drop the bomb on the ending. Yeah. Well, uh, the aesthetic. Yeah. 
Just so the feel this, yeah, of the movie. This is one of the... I mean, Tarantino movies always look good. All of his movies look good. This is one of the best-looking movies in recent memory. Yeah, I agree. Not only sitting on 35, you know, obviously having that yeah. experience. Just the, the cinematography, fantastic. But the production design yeah. is next level. It is. They, tra- they transport you back into, into 1969 Hollywood. And it's amazing. It's incredible the way that they've recreated like the streets of Hollywood, like the facades of the, the, the buildings. buildings, the cars, without any digital effects. Apparently, some of the, some of the uh, people who live in the area yeah. really liked the changes so much that they actually asked some of the companies to keep the facades up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, they, yeah. They were so high-quality facades. Like, yeah. Not just like the... the movie, you know, there's the, there's the meme of like the cheap Hollywood cardboard yeah, cutout. Just the, yeah, the yeah, front. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like full-on actually redecorating places. Yeah. It's it's insane, like, watching this movie, it feels like it was made... It feels like they went back to the 60s, shot it, and then took the film back to... You know, like, yeah. the the period cars, the, you know, the buildings, the oh. billboards, you know, like, it's insane how... Like, there's a shot, like a, a huge, like a, like a helicopter shot or, you know, quite a high up shot of, like, the freeway, and all the cars... Yes. Are period accurate cars. Apparently, they shut down the freeway for that. Yeah. So they shut down the whole freeway. Yeah. And just bought in yeah. period and, appropriate yeah. cars. And there's just no digital effects. <laughs> and it's like that's, that's a, a going test. to Nolan levels. Yeah. You don't see that. <laughs> like even 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 in big budget Hollywood movies set in the past, they never they always they deliberately don't do stuff like that because they know it'll cost too much or. You know that they'll have to digitally erase yeah. stuff, and that's what I was going to say. That's a testament to Tarantino's power over the studios, really. Yeah, because there's no other filmmaker these days who could go to a studio and say, "I want to do this, but it's all practical. I want, I want a freeway full of era-appropriate yeah. cars, sixties cars, vintage cars. Yeah. I want all the streets to be vintage, like it was." They'd be like, "Nah, you see, exactly." We we always talk about how they don't make movies with practical effects anymore and stuff like that. And this is a big one. Yeah, that's not just in terms of action, you know, sci-fi movies. Sets. That's also, yeah, just in terms of dramas with, like, you know, stuff like this, where it's like putting a billboard, like a 60s-style billboard on top of a building, you know, like they don't do that a lot anymore. Yeah. No, like this is one of those movies where... It's like, I can watch it just because I want to sit in that time yeah, period. I can that, sit in that the groove. Best, yeah, the best thing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that it's a nostalgia piece. It's a, uh, I think Tarantino called it a memory piece. Like, it's, it's he about his... He compares it to Roma, which yeah. is a pretty... Um, yeah, I mean, but it, it's, 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 it's similar to that in the fact that, that, that it's the time he grew up in yeah, L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's his memory of L.A. at the time. Like what it looked like, what it's like sounded like, felt like. Yeah, like. Um, and that's such a good descriptor. And th- a memory piece. Yeah, that's what's so great about the film, um, and that's what it does the best is it transports you back to that time. And I love, you know, the not just the look of the film, but you know, obviously the soundtrack. Every Tarantino movie has great soundtrack, but now you know, m- mo- most of the time, his movies, like a song, will, like a song that's out of place, will start playing. On the soundtrack, you know, like it's set, you know, a movie set during World War Two or in the Wild West, a 60s pop song will start playing or something. But in this movie, it's pretty, but, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, 
But this movie is pretty much all the tracks are exactly. either started on a radio or exactly. when a vinyl, so, ne- like when a record needle so drops. This this movie has the typical Tarantino style soundtrack, but it's all diegetic because characters in the movie are listening to it on the radio or putting a record on, and so it still has that Tarantino feel, but it's different because it's not like used. You know, that's, there's not an action scene where they're playing a an old song. Yeah, it's like. Everyone, it's it's part of the atmosphere of the world, you know. It's part of it's part of transporting you back to that period of, in time, and it's not just the songs. It's like the ads on the radio, and they, you know, they watch like because the movie's about, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Rick Dalton, who's like a uh, he kind is of, Rick Dalton, yeah, who who <laughs> like he's like a washed up kind of TV actor, um, and so the whole movie kind of revolves around you know, 60s TV shows, westerns and stuff like that. And so always, there's always someone watching an old show, you know, or they're on it. There's like a, you know, it's about, it's a love letter to, to the industry, yeah. filmmaking industry. Like they're always on a back lot or on a set, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a, a behind the scenes kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's about like making old shows, you know. It's, but at the, you know, at the time they weren't old shows. No, they were cutting itch. Yeah. Um so like that's the best thing about the movies, like the atmosphere and the, like the the the. No, it's it's the feel. The mise en scene. Yeah, that that like as the, well. Like yeah. I mean, like the meta mise en scene. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and and the uh, the the meta kind of uh, nostalgia of it all, which Tarantino movies have always had, but this one is very directly. This one, it, it, this one, that's what the movie is almost about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's just so good. Yeah. Um, Lee, I think Leonardo DiCaprio was like he's always a good actor. Yeah, but I feel like this movie it was like peak sort of acting performance uh, look, for me from look, Leo. He like he like he always gives a good performance, but this kind of tying into the meta thing, like he's playing an actor who's has a certain range, you know, whereas Leo has perhaps a bigger range than Rick yeah. Dalton would. So he's he's acting. It's subdued, yeah. but it's, you, it's subtly brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, yeah, he's yeah, pretending yeah. to be a worse actor than yeah. he actually yeah, yeah, yeah. is. But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Because it's Leo playing Rick Dalton playing a character. Like a character. Yeah, it's but it's, hilarious. It's, 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 it's good though. Yeah. It's like it works so well and it's like he pulls it off yeah. and it doesn't just look like he's playing a bad... You know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look like Leo is playing like a pretty bad actor. Yeah. It's like... He inhabits the yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, it's very much character acting. That's, yeah, that's the like the best parts of this movie. All the my my favorite parts are like Rick Dalton's kind of struggle from being a popular TV actor, not really making the transition to movies. Yeah, that, like he's made a few movies, but he didn't really. Yeah, but he didn't go from like the. He didn't become a megastar. Yeah, he 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 was like he like like you said he's, a popular TV actor. Yeah, but he never made that transition. They make the comparison in the movie. He's like the Steve McQueen who like he's like the wannabe Steve McQueen. He never made that that transition yeah. from TV to big blockbuster. Like he says m- in the movie, movie star. He, he scored a couple of big roles, but most of them they were just luck. Yeah, like he was just lucky to get that sort of that role. Yeah. He was there right place at the right time. Yeah. And like that's the the best part of the movie is that journey of him trying to like I, I what I call the mid career crisis yeah. yeah like he's like what are we like you I'm know trying to think of an actor to compare it to but I I can't really I mean Rick Dalton is obviously not a real person but he's no. based on several 
you know, actors of the time who never really made it big, you know, ma- never really made the transition from TV to to big movies, you know. But, like, that's that's all the, the best stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, the movie does try to, to, to tackle a lot. Not, yeah. not a lot, but there's, like, two kind of stories that the Yeah, that, that I, play I think out. because the movie has, like, the... So there's Rick's storyline and then his stuntman, Cliff Booth. And they're, like... They've worked together for eight years, eight or nine years, and they're they're very close. And it's kind of like about their friendship and about Rick's kind of mid-career crisis and him trying to get over that and Cliff kind of helping him out. And then tangential to that is at the at the time, 1969, uh, the Sharon Tate, you know, uh, Manson family yep. thing. Um, and that kind of plays out set almost completely separate yep. to Rick and Cliff's storyline. And it's a little jarring. Yeah, and I think it one of the problems with the movie, which we'll talk about later because I don't want to get too deep yeah, into yeah, it yeah. now, is that the ending doesn't doesn't satisfyingly enough tie them together. It just feels and, kind of slapdash. Yeah, and because the movie for that up until that point, you know, over two hours, you know, because the movie's quite long. The movie up until that point hasn't really weaved them together. Yeah, it's just every now and again they'll yeah. like touch You'll, paths and then they'll just diverge again. Yeah, and not even like t- like they'll just get close. They won't even touch. It's like, like mo- mostly they, you'll see a scene of Sharon like completely separate. You know. Yeah, like, like Cliff Booth, uh, Rick Dalton, and Sharon Tate. Uh, Tate. 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 Yeah, don't really know each other. Like they're not like yeah. they live next to each they other. They live That's in the it. same city. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, well, like, the, like yeah, their neighbors. The whole, yeah, the whole, the whole uh, crux of the thing is that Rick is neighbors with Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Yeah, like, and that's the whole and that's Cliff, the of the film. And and yeah. Cliff sort of briefly meets the sort of the family at one point, the Manson family, yeah, which I and don't never really ties back into no. Rick's storyline. Which and, are, like, I yeah. feel like it, there was a tense moment in the film where Cliff visits the ranch yeah. and he sort of goes to check on an old acquaintance or whatever who's yeah. now blind. And that's a tense, that's a good part of the film. It's, a, re- it's a well done scene, but it's, but it's at, kind at of pointless. The, yeah, at the end of the day, it adds nothing. Yeah, like they could have taken that out and did something a little different regarding maybe a bit more of Cliff's sort yeah. of character growth. Look, like we'll get into this a bit later because there's a lot I have to say about it. But yeah, they they Tarantino doesn't successfully weave in the Manson family, Sharon Tate murder yeah. stuff with the Rick Dalton, Cliff Booth kind of uh, Hollywood uh, career yeah. kind of stuff. I, I agree. I know? definitely agree. And the end just kind of doesn't just kind of yeah. it, it almost retroactively kind of shits on what came before you know one thing i did like about how they handled sharon tate is i love when she goes to see her own movie in the movie theater yeah. and then on the big screen is the actual actress sharon tate yeah yeah in they, the, they in don't the actual movie they don't try to Put, like digitally put, insert yeah. margot robbie oh, i didn't even realize like, i knew she was in the film yeah but i didn't even realize that's a the to quote um uh lauren who's probably listening to the podcast okay her performance, Margot Robbie's performance as Sharon Tate was so good that it's not Margot Robbie. It's just the essence of Sharon Tate in the film. Well, and I kind of agree with that because after the movie, 
you were like, oh, Margot Robbie was really good. I'm like, that was Margot Robbie? <laughs> like, but that, to be fair, you do have like face blindness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I know what you mean. I like, know, I feel yeah. like she was so... Like, she shined yeah. in the film. Like, yeah. all the scenes she's in, I she think, just brings Yeah, it. I think I liked all the Sharon Tate scenes, and I like how Tarantino is, like, highlighting just, like, she she was just a nice person who, like, loved life. And, you yeah. know, wh- like, even though the scenes she was in probably weren't, didn't really happen. No. You know, like, just that, that performance. But I think at, at the end, it didn't really amount to anything. Mm. Um, but Margot Robbie bought it. Yeah, I'm saying. Oh, yeah, no, just a good scene when she. I like how they didn't digitally alter her. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It's it, like it, it, one of the positives of the movie. You can say is it's a good tribute to Sharon Tate. It's a very loving film in yeah. the sense that it, it, it loves Hollywood. It yeah. loves the people involved. Exactly. Apart from maybe the, the Manson family. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> it doesn't like hippies. Tarantino. This is scene, <laughs> we, actually. We'll get, we, I feel like we're getting to the end. To like maybe we should talk about the end first. But anyway, let, let, let's talk about all the like the really good shit because there's yeah, a lot, yeah, and yeah. I really like this movie up until a point. All right, number good point number one, doggos. Oh yes, this movie gets major points for the the good good, good boy, good girl, good girl, Brandy. Yeah, uh, good girl, best doggo, yeah. best best doggo award. Nineteen sixty nine goes to what, Brandy. Uh, and what breed was it? Like some type of it's like a pit bull, staffy, staffy kind of thing. Big old head, really nice. You know, pointy ears, but really nice, like all brown. Really happy looking dog too. Really nice, well trained dog. Yeah, yeah, and, it's like John Wick stuff, like, and that's yeah, and that, like, I just mean like the the training, like the the communication yeah, between yeah. Brad Pitt and the dog, the, the discipline. But yeah, like that's that's what's great about like some people. I mean, how do I explain this? Tarantino movies are about the characters and the dialogue. It's like Kevin they're Smith. about yeah, they're <laughs> about the slow kind of the the scenes take a long time to play out. You know, it's not about the the plot really or the story. It's about like. The characters, the banter, and like you know the atmosphere and the music, and like immersing yourself in this in that scene, and the scene will be drawn out. And that's one of the major things I loved about the movie, and yeah. pretty much all of his and movies. That's exactly, no quick cuts. Yeah, but that that's that's what this movie does so well, as with all Tarantino movies, but this movie especially is like the first like two hours of the movie, which are the best parts, is just like you know Cliff fit feeding his dog. Yeah. Great scene. And the the, yeah. the facial expression. Adds nothing. Yeah. Fantastic scene. The facial yeah. expressions on the dog as yeah. well. Like, like who would say, oh, the dog's facial expression's on point. <laughs> That's what you know they, what I mean? Like, yeah. like the, the uh, pet food dropping from the tin. Yeah. Except, like the sound effects. The way he the just like, tips the can yeah. and just the dog food slides out and yeah. smacks into the It's like the, dog's the emotive bowl. face. Yeah. Oh, say same. what you want about the plot. This movie is like the pinnacle of filmmaking. It's just yeah. like long drawn out shots of Brad Pitt feeding a dog. Yeah. And also, it's great. I also like the some of the maybe like the less kind of in your face um, um, set design like the tins of dog food with like the fake logos oh that's very tarantino yeah i just like that a lot yeah. like the, what was it wolf Wol- yeah wolf brand yeah yeah so it was um i can't remember good, the tagline good food for mean, mean dogs, dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like rat flavor bird flavor yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's just it's just red that. apple cigarettes yeah yeah <laughs> it's just that stuff that's really fun and that's that that people have um like immerse themselves in the Tarantino verse. Like it's it's his it's his bizarre version of reality. Yeah. Like it's not meant to be an accurate biopic. Like it's his 
version of it. Yeah. And I mean, that's like the fact that it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's meant to be a fairy tale. It's almost. a fairy yeah. tale. Like it's it's like a, a, a fictional version yeah. of like the 60s of I mean, Hollywood at the time. If you watch Tarantino movies, you know, all of his movies are set in a heightened, slightly... Yeah. Like I don't want to use. I don't want to use the word magical, but they're almost like a little. It's not. Yeah, the laws of physics I, don't always need it's, apply. It's, yeah, it's, sort it's, of. It's it's a it's a it's a very it's a it's a world where movies are the most important thing. Yeah, but they also it's also a movie. If that makes sense, yeah, like it's a yeah. movie universe where people love and watch movies because Tarantino, who makes the movies, loves yeah. and watches movies. Does that if that makes yeah, sense? Yeah. yeah. You know, so like, and that's what people love. That's what I love about. It. That's what people love about Tarantino's movies. That's what studios love about Tarantino's <laughs> movies. Well, no, what studios love <laughs> is that they make money. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, that's like all the best parts are the the character stuff. Like the Rick, the best, like one of the best parts of the movie. I think um, even Callum mentioned this after we saw it. Is like Rick is in his pool learning lines. Great scene. But then the camera kind of tracks up over Rick's house and then like over the over the roof and like down next door to the Polanskis and Sharon and Roman are getting in the car and like going to a party. Like it's just a great like Yeah. You know, crane shot over the and it gives you a sense of the whole area. It's a very it's technically it's such a well done film. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Like it's not just like lots of you know doily shots or whatever just all <laughs> over the joint, you know. Like not that there's anything wrong with those kinds of shots, but like yeah. there's a lot of different kinds of shots all yeah. executed spectacularly well. Yeah. But it all ties back into that kind of uh, that you know the energy that Tarantino has, but also like the the world he's creating, the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, like uh, I feel like because the movie's a love letter to Hollywood, the the strengths of the movie you know, come from the scenes about filmmaking, about, you know, Rick getting a role, learning his lines, you know, acting, you know, doing like, the scene. Some of the some of my favorite scenes are the scenes where he's recording um sort of a pilot or he's involved in recording of a pilot. Yeah. And he's like the he, bad guy. He's shooting yeah, he's shooting a uh a, a the pilot Dolly shot. Not Dolly shot, what am I talking about? Oh, I thought you were. I thought you did that on purpose. No, I'm not. Th- yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that on purpose, like as a as a as a way to uh, make fun of it. Yeah, no, no, no. I was like, lots of. I'm sorry. Um, what Moving we, on. <laughs> what, what were we talking about? We're talking about. Um, yeah, Rick. Rick's making a, yeah. the pilot for Lancer, and he gets cast as the villain. Because he's no, he's no longer a big main star, so he just get like he's a he's a well known actor, so, but so he gets cast as the villain. But then Al Pacino's character Marvin Schwartz, not Schwartz, not Schwartz, Schwartz. Um, he tells Rick he's like, you know, Al Pacino's. I mean, Al Pacino's always good, but he's become kind of a joke. But he's so good in this movie. Like this is one of his best roles in the last I don't know how long. But anyway, um. He tells Rick, he's like, you know, before you know it, people are just going to see you as the washed up actor who plays bad guys. Yeah. You know, like you you have to go to Italy and make action movies Spaghetti there. Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. And become a big star again. Because otherwise, yeah, your career's... You could, fizzle out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Rick doesn't want to do that. He's like, Italian movies, you know, Spaghetti Westerns suck. You know, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a washed up, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm my career's... 
you know, nosedive. He starts crying in the parking lot and um, uh, Cliff gives him his sunglasses. Like, yeah. don't don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... <laughs> Oh man, Leonardo DiCaprio is so good. Like Rick is such a good character. I like how I like how Rick stutters when he's talking in normal, but then when yeah. he's acting, goes away. It goes yeah. away. Like he's like really smooth and you know. Um, but yeah, and so Rick is doing this pilot for Lancer, and he plays the bad guy Caleb, and they give him like a a big uh, like handlebar mustache. Yeah, yeah. They want him to look like um, a Hell's Angel, so he's got like yeah. that dirty look with the long hair. Yeah, he's got the long hair and the fringe jacket. And I love that scene with the directors explaining to him, like, what he will look like and what he wants to do. And Rick is just, like, hung over and, like, coughing his lungs out. It's so good. But, yeah, like, they're on the set. Like, this, this, all this stuff I'm explaining right now, all the best parts of the movie. Yeah. All the, my, yeah. The, all the, my the favorite parts. parts in the movie about movie making. Yeah. You have this, to about this is what, making. It might sound boring, but you have to actually see yeah. it. This is what the movie should have been about from start to finish. Yeah. This, all, these are all my favorite scenes. Um, and the part with Bruce Lee? No. We'll, see, talk, we'll get to that. That bit's a bit cringy. Like, I don't know. That's also peak Tarantino. <laughs> see, and this is kind of my, my earlier... Du- Tarantino's is, a double-edged sword. This is my earlier statement. Even though I love this movie and I love these parts of the movie, this movie gets to a point where it's too Tarantino for its own good. And I feel like... You can start to see it in, you know, maybe the, his last couple of movies like Django and and uh, Hateful Eight, where it it all like those movies are good and I like them, but it almost feels like he's playing to a to a crowd. Like yeah, like pe- he's doing people, what people expect of him. Exactly. At at a certain point, there are there are things that people expect from a Tarantino movie, and he, he, probably not deliberately. In his last couple of movies, he's been playing that up, almost to a degree where it's a bit ridiculous. Not, not I wouldn't call it self-parody, but it gets a bit close. And I feel like the like the ending, especially of Once Upon mm. a Time, if the ending uh, was it, different, it, it could have gone the other way yeah, completely. It feels like a, it feels like a bit of a piss take at the end. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the Bruce Lee scene feels a bit like that. Like he's playing it up to a point where it's like this is just this is just dumb, and I also feel like because I'm a big Bruce Lee fan, we should point out the context of this as well. Yeah. So so um, there's a fight scene between and not a not a legitimate yeah. like I'm gonna hurt and it's, you. And it's it's a good scene. Uh, like but yeah, it's, it's, it's done just very well. A, yeah. Uh, there's a fight. So uh, Cliff Booth, being the stunt man, is on a set waiting to see if he will be used in a stunt scene for yeah. the day. Well, actually, I like the framing device. I like as well because Cliff now. Well, like ha- has been working with Rick for the as last a stunt eight man, years. but really, there's the if Rick's work is starting to dry up, so then Cliff's. then Cliff's work is drying up twofold. Yeah, so essentially, Cliff also acts as like a manservant of sorts. Yeah, he well. like drives Rick around. He does odd jobs for him, and like Rick tries to help Cliff out getting like getting a stunt work, and then like Cliff is on Rick's roof fixing his antenna. And then it kind of he like kind of flashes back to the set of Green Hornet yeah. where uh, Rick was doing like a guest spot, and Rick is trying to get Cliff a a stunt job on the show. But like Kurt Russell's character, who's like the uh, stunt coordinator, the stunt or, coordinator, yeah. he's like, nah, you know. See, this isn't. Oh man, there's so much to talk about. We could, we could do like five hours. So like like uh, Kurt Russell's character Randy, I think. 
he's like, and Rick's like, come on, you know, give him yeah, a job. But, like, but you don't even have to, you don't Randy, have to use him. But Randy's wife does not want him yeah, involved because, with the picture. Because Cliff, uh, like, apparently killed his wife, which is a, almost a two Tarant is a bit that's too Tarantino. I'm yeah. like, this doesn't help your case, Tarantino. Um, no. Especially after what happens at the end. Um, so then there's a flashback to where uh, Cliff is on a boat with his wife and he's like, and the wife is just giving it to him, like just, you know, busting his balls and he's got like a spear gun. But before anything happens, it like cuts. Which yeah, I, I like. Yeah. It's funny, but it, it adds, it ends up adding nothing. It adds and nothing, it just It but... muddies the waters later in the film when Cliff becomes like a murderous... Um, Actually, I think it probably uh, would have been... A machine, like a, prob- a probably, revenge machine. And it's just like, ugh. It probably would have been better to show Cliff kill his wife. It would have made the audience feel worse about liking the character. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I Like, at a certain point, I was like, maybe they're setting Cliff up as the bad guy. Like, I thought he was going to take a heel turn. But then... Join the did- family? Yeah. See, that's exactly... Because in the trailer, right? In the trailer, you see, like, uh, Cliff going to the to the ranch... And, like, meeting all the, the Manson family. And I was like, ooh, maybe that happens in the film. Like, he, jo- he like, gets gets uh, thrown in with... He get, joins, kind of, thrown in with the family. And, and meanwhile, you know, like, he maybe sort of accidentally uh, leads the family to Sharon's house because it's Rick's house is next door, yeah, you know, like yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to be involved and, you know... And, you know, maybe if he doesn't become a bad guy and, you know, has to kind of... If he doesn't, then he kind of has to kind of redeem himself some way by, you know, saving Sharon. You know, it, it's the Tarantino verse. So we all knew that Sharon wasn't going to die at the end like she does in real life. Like, yeah. we all knew something was going to happen. Like, I I assumed, he, you know, like at the end of Inglorious Bastards, where they kill Hitler and, like, blow up all of the Nazi command. Like, I thought he was going to do, like, Sharon Tate gets her revenge and she actually kills the Pulls a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, and that kind of happens, you know, next door, but, you know, we'll get to that. Um, But we were talking about Bruce Lee. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they set Cliff up as a sort of. As a badass. As a badass, but also someone who I wasn't sure if we were supposed to like or not. But then at the end. It's hard not to like Brad Pitt, though. That's true. And, but then at the end of the movie, it's like, no, he, like, they're, they're trying to paint him as a, as a good guy. At least yeah. I thought, anyway. Is, is so, it an attempt at making him sort of like a great character who's done some bad and some good? Or is it just Tarantino just I th- wanking? I think, it, I think that's why it's too much Tarantino. He's just wanking off. He's just like, and then, like, he's a funny little scene, you know? Yeah. He's, he's my, he's he's my al- little Tarantino he, flourish. He's Ha-ha. also described as like a vet, too. Yeah, they yeah. say he's a war hero. Yeah. So I actually which, have clarification on that. Yeah. So I, the first article I read about this had Tarantino saying he was a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, which doesn't really now, make sense. here's the clarification. It turns out that the website who did that was a mistranslation. So it was, oh, an, okay. it was an Asian publication which translated Tarantino's words into, I can't remember what specifically, yeah. uh, what region it was from. Yeah. But a newer article says that Tarantino claims that Cliff Booth was a Green Beret and served in World War II and killed many Nazis. Yeah, which I think, makes more sense canonically yeah. with well, the timeline. World War Two or Korea would make much more yeah. sense in Vietnam. Vietnam wouldn't make any sense for his character. The reason we I may, we mention this is because Brad Pitt decks Bruce Lee. Now yeah. Bruce so, Lee is also seen as an arrogant figure, which so historically, yeah. I'm I'm not sure about how Bru- he was perceived. Bruce in, Lee, you know, like the back lots of Hollywood. Bru- I don't know. Bruce Lee has always talked shit. Like he's always talked, you know, talked himself up, kind of in the same way as Muhammad Ali. But one, he could back it up. And two, 
the way Tarantino deals with it is like they make Bruce Lee look like a huge asshole, like like excessively like it's he seems like a dick. And you know, Joe, the man can't defend himself. Like he's not around oh, anymore. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's the only thing I'll say. His estate got quite upset though. But yeah, no, and and rightly so because like I feel like. If if that was Muhammad Ali in the movie instead of Bruce Lee, and and Muhammad Ali was talking himself up like he does, and then Cliff came and beat the shit out of him, people would lose their minds. They'd they say, this know. is yeah. racist, this is the worst piece of shit ever, how could you? Yeah. But because it's Bruce Lee, there's this kind of... Uh, Acceptance? Yeah, and I'm like, no, it's the same level of racism. Like, you're being racist... For, oh, no, no, no. Let's be fair, though. I think uh, It's got nothing to do with his race. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, explain. The, just exactly what I just said. Like, I'm not calling Tarantino... I'm not saying Tarantino was deliberately being a racist and, say, and trying to portray Bruce Lee like, as a, as a, like, in a racist light. I'm just saying if, if his character was black, people would be outraged. But would it because- be justified in calling a racist? Yeah, that's. I think yes, the, because I, of the portrayal of the character, and then a, so a, saying, a big buff saying, white guy so, being the shit out of him. No, see, I, I think, I think that's that's kind of being unfair to Tarantino. The, the only reason Cliff Booth is Brad Pitt is because he wanted Brad Pitt in the no. film. My point is, like, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But Bruce Lee was Look, a major sporting celebrity who was in films. Yeah, but... So I think we should be... I really don't agree that it's racist. No, no, so it's... I mean... Because uh, Bruce Lee was around on Hollywood Live. No, no, no. It's not no, like no, they're just so, inserting so, Muhammad no, 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 Ali no, no, to get no, no, beaten no, no. up. No, no, So you're misunderstanding me. It's accurate for Bruce Lee to be there. It's accurate... I mean, Tarantino wrote the movie. He can make Cliff beat whoever he wants. But I feel like the way it's presented, they make Bruce Lee the hu- like huge asshole. Bruce Lee isn't a character in the movie. He's a, a he, he's he just was also a, a friend of Sharon Tate. Exactly, which this ties into my points about the ending, which we'll talk about. Where Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski, Bruce Lee—they're not characters; they're set pieces. They're just there. And at the end of the movie, there's no real. It doesn't tie everything together. You know, they they never become real characters. And this comes back to Bruce Lee. He's just a caricature. Um, and it's a fun scene. It's well done. I enjoyed it. But I think at the end of the day, it's just cringy. And it's just Tarantino jerking himself off and saying, look, Bruce Lee was a blowhard and, and he could fight. But but my, I made Cliff and Cliff's a badass and a war hero yeah. and he beats the shit I out of Bruce ag- Lee. I can agree that it's not very nice of, of Tarantino to do. Yeah. I, can agree, I can agree that it paints Bruce Lee... In a very negative light, where he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, but I think racist is a bit much. I feel like that's the right word to use. It might not be the best descriptor of all time. I'm I'm sure I could figure out a better way, but I think racist is the best word to use. Just because if you made that character black, people it would immediately people would be. But because he's Asian, people see. I think you're see, looking at this, it. You're looking at different it at too level. Much a, I I'm looking at it as a Bruce Lee was a celebrity at the time who was in martial arts movies. Yeah. And that's like, that is a confrontation that Tarantino wanted to show yeah. on screen. But who is a black celebrity star who also had the same appeal that Bruce Lee did? I can't think of anyone. Well, well, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali. No, but was Muhammad Ali, but he was in motion picture films. No, no but, but he, you know, he, but Muhammad he, Ali was also famously arrogant. So no, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily call it racist. 
if it was Muhammad Ali in the movie no, instead. No, but but if but do you do you see what I'm saying? No, no I, see, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I just think it you're cl- not correct in saying it's racist. It, it's very hard for me to explain. Racist is the best word racist. I can use. No, but I can best. It's the best word I can use because I feel like because he's Asian, people just take it less seriously that it's a racist. No, see scene. that's that's not that's racism from critics. Maybe I wouldn't say it's racist in the film. A reaction is, is yeah. A reaction is not the same as it being in the film. I, I, I agree, agree with Callum. The, the double think... standards of critics and viewers might actually, be racist. Dub, actually, I'll use double, double standards, standards in is my better, in yeah. my yeah. I'll use my in, in instead of racist. I'll say it's a double standard. Where if if this if if Bruce Lee wasn't in this okay. film and Muhammad yeah. Ali was in this film. Talking himself up, saying he's the best yeah. fighter. Uh, yeah. Cliff came in, beat him. Yeah, their reaction will be much I, worse. Yeah. Exactly. I can agree. I can agree with but that. But because he's an Asian man, yeah, no, pe- people, there's this lesser yeah. kind yeah. of. It's a double standard that that needs to be addressed. I 100 percent agree I, with that. Yeah, I still don't agree with it being because he's Asian. I do agree. No, that I think that his, the type of his celebrity yeah. means that maybe the reaction is a bit different than Muhammad Ali's because they were very different people. Mm, I, I feel like one of the reasons I'm using that they mentioned Muhammad Ali in the movie, and be, one of the reasons I'm using him as an example is because yes, they were very different people, but they were both fighters. They were both big talking themselves up. They were best both in their field. they were both best in their field. They like were both I said, active like, at the same time. But like context, it's, a, it's an apt comparison. I mean, it if, makes if sense. we're looking at it, the context of the film, yeah, right. It's on point. Into, not on point. It's 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 on brand. I should say. No, it makes sense film. in the film. But the, I reaction, feel like, the reaction is the problem. Yeah. Almost. No. I I, I yeah, understand. It, I, I feel like it's just because it's a double standard doesn't necessarily mean it's racist. Well, it's still a double standard that needs to be addressed yeah. in 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 culture. No, um, that's, that's, on, that's true. On top of that, it definitely feels like it's just a Tarantino's. You know, being Tarantino, oh, ha, ha, it's completely he's a funny flashback for scene. character development. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, that's that's that's, exactly. that's big Tarantino. Thing, and then on top of that, when when Zoe Bell comes in and starts cracking the shits at him, I'm like, yeah, it's great to see Zoe Bell, but this is very much a Tarantino. Like, here's a cameo from someone I work with. Here's yeah, Kurt yeah. Russell. You know, like it doesn't really. It's a great scene. I love it. Yeah. But it's just... It's, useless. it's, it's kind of useless. It adds though. nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a piss take. Like, it's, would, it's I was him, kind of thinking about that what would, been, right. what would have been better is to have the Manson family go into the Tate house and maybe Cliff Booth recommends it. They have dinner together and Bruce Lee kicks the shit out of everyone in the house. Look, no, see, this see, is the also, thing. There, there's, a scene, <laughs> there's a scene which Bruce Lee is shown to be kind of... Showing Sharon Tate how yeah, to do martial arts, which happened in real life. Yeah, like he, I was kind of thinking, like, wouldn't it be great if Sharon if Sharon Tate defends herself by yeah, using the yeah. martial arts See, that Bruce Lee th- teaches? And this her. is my other problem with the Bruce Lee scene is that they never like with the Sharon Tate scenes. They never tie in to the actual yeah. story yeah. of Rick's, go Rick's journey it's in Hollywood, of, Rick's uh, career. Uh, this crisis. is a vulgar. This is a vulgar word to use, but it's kind of like masturbation. It's like exactly. Here's what I like. I'm just going to force it into my film. Yeah. See now, I feel like if the ending was better handled, it would it would make a ripple effect back through the film, where none of this would be a bigger problem. Yeah. If if Cliff's character revealed himself to be a bad guy or you know, got deeper and deeper into the Manson family until something bad happened. That would this these scenes would make much more sense. Yeah. But as it stands, these scenes are just Tarantino. They're, yeah, they're made flour- flourishes. Yeah, they're, um, it's just him going. You know, he's known for these. Do kind you remember of Bruce scenes. Lee? 
yeah, it's, Tar- it's like Tarantino's yeah. known for these scenes, so I'm going to write this little funny scene where it's like he's in a side backstory like to the character. Yeah, and these are the scenes I love of Tarantino. That's what makes him such so special. But the end of the movie kind of ends up making it feel like I mean, it's yeah, just usually jerking off. Usually in his films, it's usually tied much smooth, much more smoothly. Yeah, that's not a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's usually handled with more grace. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about this after the film. It feels like there's two competing narratives. Like yeah. he had two separate he, ideas yeah, he, for two different screenplays. He, yeah, and he kind of just tried to force them together. Yeah, he should have just he should have either made a movie about you know '60s Hollywood and Rick's career. Or he should have made a movie about Sharon Tate yeah. and the Manson family. And there's definitely enough meat for both. Yeah. Now, the way it's in the movie, he still could have interwoven them and tied them together. But the way the movie plays out and the way it ends, he doesn't do that successfully. Yeah, I agree. But up until, you know, that six months later jump, I think the movie's fantastic. Even with these flaws that we're discussing. It's just the ending, I think... It doesn't pay off anything. Yeah, it... it it has a ripple effect back throughout the film where you kind of... I started rethinking the movie and be going, like, maybe it wasn't good. Like, what What was that ending? I th- the ending is so shocking. I it, think... It gets into your system and it, it, it's a shock to the system and it goes... And I, I think a lot of people walking out the cinema when, when we were seeing it and going, like, what the hell was that? I almost... But is, having seen it twice, it's like up until that six months later jump, the movie's fantastic. Yeah. It's the ending is so shocking that it ripples back through your feelings of what the movie was. And it, it's you end up feeling mixed towards the whole yeah, movie my, rather than just the ending. When the mixed like feelings... Po- poisons it, kind of. Now that, now that I've had a chance to digest it, the mixed feelings really just come from the ending. The movie itself is fantastic. My, one of my feelings, like why this happened, was that... You're right, up until that point, the movie's fantastic, but yeah. there's almost no real violence. And I feel like Tarantino made this movie and he's like, I'm at the end of my script. This is what I'm known for. I better put some something shocking in it. No, the I, end. I think he, I think he did it on purpose. We should spoil the. I guess we'll talk about the ending real quick because no, we're no, gonna no. Be... Uh, we'll, we'll wait till the second half of the show because I can talk about the ending for okay. a full hour. Okay. Um. So let, let's rewind it back again. So the best parts of the movie, my favorite parts of the movie. Rick is filming the pilot for Lancer. Yeah. He's playing the villain Caleb. Yep. He, you know, the director, you know, puts the mustache and the long hair and the fringe jacket, makes him look like a hippie. Rick, Rick hates yeah. hippies. And the dynamic with the, the little girl actor as well. Yeah. I, and I so didn't he, look up her name, but she, she's pretty uh, good. Julia Butters is the act, actor. Yeah. She's, she's really good. Anyway. So yeah, he gets the set and he's like, you know, reading his book on, on the, the, the old West facade, you know, set. And there's a, the little girl who plays, you know, in the, in the show as well. She's sitting there reading her book and they're sitting next to each other. It's a gr- This is peak Tarantino. This is like best time. Yeah. Just characters sitting there talking about nothing Whatever. basically, yeah. you know. But it all ends up, it ties into Rick's whole character and, and development and feelings. And he's talking about his the book he's reading and about how it's a washed up old cowboy who's not as good as he used to be. You know, Which is kind of kind of on the nose. Like, obviously, uh, obviously, referencing Rick's yeah. career, you know, and the little girls trying to, you know, um, comfort on, him. And he starts crying. Yeah, he, he starts crying. <laughs> oh no! And 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 then and then you know, and then he does the he does the big saloon scene with uh, Jim Stacy, played by Timothy Oliphant, who you know, who's the hero of the show, who's the big star. Yeah, you know, who's who's over 
overshadowing Rick's, yep. you know, name on the on the banner, you know. Um, and they do the big saloon scene, and there's a gunfight, and then, and you know, there's a, you know, it's this is like at this at this point, I was kind of like Tarantino should have just done another western because that's clearly what he loves. It's clearly <laughs> yeah. what he's good at. But I was kind of like, and and he couldn't take his feet out of the World War Two pool for a minute either. He has just like oh, that yeah. one little the scene, like a flashback of McCluskey. Yeah, yeah. Did, Which anybody, is a good scene. did anybody order fried sauerkraut? Ah, <laughs> burn you Nazi bastard! So it's like good. a couple of little greatest hit moments. Like, see, that's like, why yeah. the movie should have been exclusively about Rick's career, making like, that's, movies, yeah. like making movies in sixties Hollywood. Like that's all, like because that's all the best part. Yeah. So, anyway, he's making, he's doing the doing the western. They're in the saloon doing the, you know, the back and forth. Caleb and and um, Johnny Madrid is the yes. main character. Yeah, they're doing their back and forth. It's all great, you know, dialogue, Tarantino dialogue, and then uh, Rick forgets his lines. And he's just like freaking out. And then he's like, all right. And I love how Leo is like overacting. Yeah. Like he's he's deliberately You mean in the trailer? No, in no, the, no, on the set no, no, during his be, lines. Before that bit where they're where they're on set in the saloon and and Leo playing Rick playing yeah, Caleb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he screws up his lines, he gets yeah. up, and he's like, damn it, damn it. And the director's like, keep going, keep going. And he's like, all right, and he sits back down. And then he like does the take again, yeah. but he's like overacting. Like he, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. now inside his yeah. own head, like yeah, an yeah, actor yeah. who like has forgotten he's his lines. Hamming it up a bit. He's now yeah. hamming it up, and like it's so good. Anyway, I, then- I love the part before they he leaves and he comes back, or is this after the set? And then he goes to his trailer. And no, no. Then he goes to yeah. his because he and, screwed yeah. up his line, which is one of my again yeah. probably my favorite part of the movie. The scene where he's in the trailer, I yeah. found out was improvised. Yeah. So yeah, so Rick goes back to his trailer and he's just he blames like, it on his drinking, yelling yeah. and screaming, throwing yeah. things around. Leo like, improvised that. Yeah, he's just That's like awesome. he's just like you know you screwed up. You know you're a terrible actor. You drink too much. You know you're you're an idiot. I like how he's like pointing himself in the mirror. He's like you're gonna quit drinking. He's like if you don't if you don't if you don't do your lines, you know I'm gonna blow your brains out. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like it's this is the best part of the movie. This is where I was like one hundred percent. And they go back and they do the next scene, I think, or is this a bit earlier? And no, no, this no. is after. Yeah, so yeah. he's uh, and I also like how the the meeting with the little girl, he's like he's like yelling at himself in the mirror, and he's like, "You're going to prove to Jim Stacy, you're going to prove to the girl, like you're a good actor." Like I like how that yeah. meeting affected him yeah. so much, you know. And then they do the next scene. Yeah, and they do the next scene where he's like got the little girl hostage, yeah. um, and he throws her to the ground. Yeah, and he's just like. You know, and she's he's, like, he's, no, it's fine. I got pads on my. Yeah, arms. he's like, oh, like, sometimes yeah. I just throw myself on the ground for fun. And she's like, that's such a little girl <laughs> yeah. moment. Um, and he, yeah, he's like, he does a really good performance. And she's like, that's the best acting I've yeah. ever seen. He starts crying. Yeah, and oh, so good. He's like validation. Yeah, it's that's the best scene of the entire movie. Yeah, that's yeah. what the movie is about. Yeah, and that's what the ending unravels. And yeah. that's that's where the movie kind of like doesn't like that's the movie's about Rick's. Career. Career descent and... And, and like the relationship to, between him yeah, and Cliff Booth as well. Exactly. But even Cliff gets pushed, yeah. to, pushed to the side. And it's almost like... The way I was describing it to my friend after seeing it the second time was like Rick's storyline is like the main storyline, his career. The A storyline. Yeah. Then you've got like a tangential kind of Cliff adventure where he's like, you know, picking up the hippie girl, fixing the antenna, driving around... But that's kind of closer to the main storyline because of, yep. of his friendship with with Rick. Then you've got another storyline where it's just like 
Sharon's adventures in Hollywood. Like she she goes to the yeah. shops, she goes to the movies, and all these scenes are great, and I love them all. But yeah, they don't really come together or interweave properly enough. Um, and also, we should say like you know that those those scenes where Rick is doing the pilot and playing Caleb, like they're the best scenes. But intercut between them is like Sharon. You know, she goes to the move to move her, yeah. the the wrecking crew, the movie she was in, and she tells the people at the the ticket booth, like, you know, I'm in this movie. You so know. how proud she is. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, she goes to see the movie. And like you said before, like, it's actually the real Sharon Tate. They don't try to digitally insert Margot Robbie into the shots or anything. Like, she's watching actual... But, you know, it's such a great scene. And I still love it. I still think yeah. it's great. It's just the ending, like, it doesn't tie in at all. No. Um, And so it ends up feeling like, what's the point kind of thing. Yeah, made redundant. Yeah. Like, it doesn't pay off. It doesn't, it doesn't like... Mm, it doesn't move towards anything. Yeah. It doesn't progress anything. Yeah, like like some people are arguing like it's just like like it's a love letter to Hollywood. It's just like a you know, it's a a cathartic kind of thing like, you know, cel- it's a celebration of Sharon Tate's life, which well, then that's like, that's fair enough. Yeah, but he should have made a movie about Sharon Tate. Exactly. Then. Or he should have tied her into the story yeah. more. When when Cliff's on the roof fixing the antenna, he can oversee Sharon's house. And she's in her bedroom, like, dancing to music and, you know, uh, I think she's folding clothes or whatever. And most, by most movie cliche standards, she would see him through the window or he would see her and then they would meet up or whatever. But that never happens. And on one hand, you could say, well, Tarantino's subverting our expectations. And with that scene there, I love little ninja jumps that Brad Pitt does. Oh, because so, he's a stuntman. He can just, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. parkour, yeah. jump up onto the roof. So That's cool. like, it's like a split-second little mini yeah, scene. Like, like, <laughs> and I like how it's just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's so Tarantino. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you could say he's subverting expectations by not falling to that trap. But that's the perfect opportunity... To bring them in. For, for yeah. Sharon to say, hi, neighbor, come, you know, we'll drink. And for, for the... Um, Line, uh, storylines to merge, and, and it's they could have merged even earlier than that, though. Yeah, because in, in part of the early part of the movie, Rick's like, "Oh, that's Roman Polanski." That's like he should have okay. introduced yeah. himself to Roman so early th- on in the movie, being like, is, "I am your biggest yeah, fan." This is where, like, this is where I think the movie fails the most. Is the movie is about and should have been entirely about Rick's career journey. Yep. You know, being a washed-up TV yeah, yeah. actor, you know, kind of re- re-vig- reinvigorating his career. Yeah, so he he he's nec- he lives next door to Roman Polanski. He, like, you know, he says to Cliff, like, I've lived next door to Roman Polanski for, like, a month. And he's like, I could I could be one, you know, one door yeah. knock away from you know, restarting my career, starring in a Roman Polanski film. That never really occurred. It should have been about that. Yeah, It'd the be movie hilarious should have been about that. If the B-plot of the film yeah. was Rick Dalton stalking Polanski. Yeah. And like, so, you have him like on doing his TV pilots, yeah. and then when he's not filming, he's just following yeah. Polanski around, trying to introduce himself <laughs> at the right yeah. moment. Like, the movie should have been about Rick's career kind of nosediving, and then by a uh, chance of fate chance of fate running into Polanski or running into Sharon and being like oh come over and you know and then him starring in Polanski and the movie should have ended with him being the big star in Polanski's new movie why well, you did Chinatown come out 
71. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they put oh, Leonardo DiCaprio in like a Chinatown scene? That would be great. It's like that was what launched that's his like, career. That, that's what the movie should have ended on. Yeah, it's like, would you like, he read he yeah. the script for see, Chinatown? Yeah, see, so so here's the thing with the end. Instead of Jack Nicholson? Yeah, we won't talk about the ending uh, right <laughs> now because uh, we're going to go off air soon. But like, that's the thing. Like the movie should have been about like Rick's career and then like that, like the meeting, whether it be, where whether it occurs before or after the attack, yeah. That that's where the histories should have divided. That's where yeah. our our timeline and the, the Tarantino verse timeline should have diverged. Yeah. That would have been such a great ending. Here, Rick, he read this new script. It's called Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Poor Jack Nicholson. Yeah, career. yeah. <laughs> his career that went nowhere. But the movie's not about Jack; it's about exactly. Rick. Yeah, um, um, that's about all the time we have for the life portion of the show. Yes, thank you for listening. We'll be back in a sec with the rest of the show. All right, we're back. So, what were we talking about? We're talking about. Uh, we were talking about uh, Roman Polanski and uh, Rick Dalton. Yeah. So the whole like. The whole like the whole movie is about like Rick's failing career and him trying to like restart his career. He even says to Cliff, you know, I live next door to Polanski. I'm just you know close, you know, so close to you know restarting my career. So the the attack on Sharon should have come maybe halfway through the movie instead of at the end, and then that should have been the inciting incident that leads Rick and Cliff and Sharon and Roman to becoming friends and Roman eventually uh, and, and uh, casting Rick in his new film. And if the attack happened earlier in the movie, that might also make the audience wonder, like, is Cliff a good guy? Did he kill his wife? Because you've already seen him, he can... Yeah, well, I feel like they, they should have tied that in better where, like, yeah, because Cl- Cliff, you know, he, you know, there's that bit where they show him potentially killing his wife. There's a bit where he's at the the Manson family ranch and he's like talking about how he spent two weeks on a two months on a Texas chain gang uh, for breaking a cop's jaw or whatever. And and the the girl's like, oh, you know, Charlie's really gonna love you, you know. Um, so like he has the potential to join the family or whatever, you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he has the potential of a bad guy, but. Tarantino never seems to actually even flirt with that idea. He never actually seems to be interested in Cliff falling to the dark side, quote-unquote. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the movie would have been much better if it tied in. Like, I was saying the other day to my friends, I'm like, what if... Because there's uh, Pussycat, the, the Manson family hitchhiker. Yeah. Um, Cliff picks her up and drops her at the Spawn movie ranch where the Manson family live. And then I was like, well, but then he leaves and that, that, that ranch bit never actually meant any, it never didn't really add anything to the film. I was like, what if he actually starts a relationship with Pussycat and then she's the one who comes to the Sharon house with the attackers. And then like he, 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 uh, recognizes her and, talks her out of it or whatever like there should have been something that that ties all these threads together because Definitely. the actual like the cliff subplot with him going to the ranch is just tarantino being like and it's a good scenes well done the tension's great but it's just tarantino being like i don't like hippies and so cliff like beats the shit out of this hippie oh, guy he, well he killed that they all die don't they no who 
Oh, that's I'm spoiling the ending. Sorry. No, no, we, no we've no. already announced spoilers. But there's Don't like, worry yeah. about there's like twenty. There's like twenty. Be more specific. I forgot this, the encounter at the spawn ranch. I thought you. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, so yeah, he's, no, 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 he's yeah. beating oh. the shit out of Clem. I think it is, and like, yeah. and it's this slow mo, you know, like guy hitting the ground, and then he hits him again, and he's like slow mo hitting, and I'm like, this is just Tarantino jerking off, just like dirty fucking yeah, hippies. dirty fucking hippies. I'm like, this is just like unnecessary, and like. Uh, the way I described it was like this almost feels like Tarantino's getting to his old man get off my lawn stage. Yeah. Like, and I know Tarantino's been talking a lot of shit for a long time about how he's only going to do 10 movies and he's going to retire and then we'll he's going to write novels. And I'm kind of like, eh, you know, maybe he should stop talking shit. You know, we'll see what happens. But also at this point, I'm kind of like, maybe he's got a point. Maybe he's just an angry old but man at this point. We should note. That uh, he's he's nine movies in. Yeah, he claims he wants to do, only do ten. Yeah, but he's lucky enough to be one of the only directors in the industry who can just announce to the world, "I have a screenplay." Yeah, who wants to auction millions of dollars out? Who yeah, wants, who to, wants bid to bid for the on... privilege to yeah. make help me make my movie? Yeah, exactly. Like, not many directors in that, the world that's have that kind of. We talked about this the other night. I'm back, like um, Tarantino credit. has Tarantino has been lucky enough to make pretty much all the movies he's wanted to make. I mean, obviously, there were movies he didn't get to make. But, you know, like, when he makes a movie... He, it's done his you, way. Yeah, usually he gets... Almost definitely he gets to make it his way. Not a lot of filmmakers have can can say the same. You know, so when he starts talking about he's going to retire... And People he talk a lot of smack. I don't know. Can yeah. he back it up? We'll see. He'll get yeah. bored. But it's just like, at this... like, and, and this is a small percentage of a great movie. Yeah. But it's a percentage that's very, very visible... Especially in a in a someone you know someone who's you know followed his career, mm. it's like maybe he's got a point. Maybe he's just getting to his angry old man phase, and that he should wrap it up at ten because otherwise he's just going to end up, you know, sort of imploding on himself with his own self references. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we were we were talking about the the you know the attack on 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 Sharon and and like. That's like so. Here's another thing about the movie: if you don't know anything about Sharon Tate, if you don't know anything about the Manson family, if you don't know anything about the attack, you have no idea what the fuck's going on at the end of this yeah, movie. Yeah, th- th- there's no <laughs> handholding. Like so, th- th- and th- let's go back even further. Charles Manson has one scene in this movie. <laughs> had the smallest yeah. scene. Like he fucking that Auss- the Aussie guy who plays him. Um, Gets like he walks up to the house and then walks away. That's it. Like and then that never comes back into play. That should have came back into play. And he's he's a good actor as Charles Manson too. Yeah. Having watched his scene in, he's in uh, season two Mine of Mindhunter, Hunter. yeah, he's very good in that scene. I was joking to my friend. I'm like, what if in Mindhunter he just has the same amount of stuff to do? No, but like, <laughs> you know, he, like his scene is one of the best scenes yeah. in the season. Yeah, but it's just like. So they could have used him, yeah. like capitulating if, to yeah. his followers, being charismatic. If, if you don't playing know, his guitar, yeah, exactly. If you don't know who Charles Manson is, you'd be like, "What the fuck was that scene where that weird guy walks up to the house and then walks away?" It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's like like they you have-, have to have background knowledge of the Manson family. You know the the Sharon Tate murders, like. To know what the hell's going on at the end. I think that's movie. a part of Tarantino being unapologetic. You know what I mean? But we yeah. go to we go to the ranch. We could have used more exactly. Charlie there. Exactly. Charlie, like, there's even a cut, um, there's a cut shot that's in the trailer that's not in the movie where Cliff's on the roof and that's when Charlie goes to, to Sharon's house and then he leaves. 
But in the trailer, he actually like looks up at Cliff on the roof and waves to him. And I'm like, that should have been the movie. And then on top of that, when Cliff gets to the ranch, maybe Charlie should have been there as well. Yeah. Um, or Could have been know, some interesting dialogue again, between Cliff yeah, and, and uh, Charlie. Again, Cliff's, Cliff's B story, if Rick's story is A and Cliff is B, Cliff's B story should have been more about him getting involved with Pussycat and by association getting involved with the Manson family yeah. and by association getting involved with Charles Manson. Whether he falls for Charles's shit and becomes a bad guy, or whether he Pisses goes them off goes full Tarantino, yeah, that would have that would have made much more sense. It would have tied into everything, and it would have tied back in. So, so the 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 attack happens earlier in the film, and that's what kind of brings Dalton and Polanski yeah, and the Hollywood together. kind of and, thing all yeah. in a nice little. And bow. it brings it back into the theme and what the movie is about. Is Rick's career, you know, and and you know, and the golden age of Hollywood coming to an end? But what happens is the, you know, there's over two hours of all this, this stuff that's gold. Yeah. All the, all this Rick, you know, doing the doing the TV show and all this stuff that's great. Then there's this uh, six months time jump where. Rick goes to Italy to film spaghetti westerns and stuff, and he comes back with his beautiful Italian bride. Exactly, and, all this and, he, and he kind of he, he quote unquote breaks up with Cliff. He's like, I can't really afford you, and you know I'm ma- anymore. I'm married now, you know whatever. But they and and then when they go back to the house to get hammered, um, that's when the attack happens. Yeah, but where the timelines diverge from what really happens to to the Tarantinoverse, yeah, is is because. When the the Manson family members are going to Sharon's house to murder everyone there, like in real life, Rick, like he's their car and he's pissed, you know, he's drunk off his face and he's got the picture of margaritas, which is hilarious. And he's like out in the middle of the street with his robes, uh, with his uh, bathrobe, um, you know, yelling at them in the street. Get this mechanical asshole out uh, of my, my street. That's, that's my favorite line <laughs> of the whole film. It's so good. He's like drinking out of the, the blender yeah. thing. I just love that. It's so earnest. It's so great, yeah. It's like these damn hippies. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and, then, and then they decide to, instead of attacking Sharon, they're like, let's make a symbol of, you know, like uh, of a fading, you know, star who used to uh, star in uh, uh, violent westerns. Like, let's make an example of it. So, let's attack him. And so, they go to his house instead and try to attack him. And then uh, Cliff, who's, like, smoked an uh, acid-laced cigarette, he's high as fuck. Uh, he comes home and, the you know, the, the Manson family members are there with knives, you know, going to attack Rick and whatever. And then he just brutally, brutally murders all of the hippies. With his dog. Yeah. And he, like, attacks them. He has that click come out, like... Yeah. And then the, the dog, like, grabs... Uh, Tex, one of the Manson family members, and like is ripping into him. And Tex is also in season two of Mindhunter. Oh, cool! Hmm. Yeah. Just a little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like the dogs ripping at him, and it's like screaming, and like the the uh, other girl, like uh, she goes to attack him, and he throws the the dog can of dog food at at her, and it, like smashes her in the face, and she's bleeding and screaming and yelling and rolling around on the floor, and then he like grabs the other girl and like bashes her head into the phone and then extreme violence yeah and like if you don't know who the manson family are you're like what the fuck is going on yeah yeah why are they why are they brutally 
brutal like these the hippies were obviously bad guys but like why are they brutally murdering these people over and over again if you know about the manson family murders you you know it's like T- tarantino's tongue-in-cheek like cathartic like they got what's coming to them you know we yeah, we, yeah. we got our cinematic revenge on yeah. on these people who brutally murdered just preg- like they did pregnant the Nazis Sharon Tate. Bastards. exactly it's, yeah it's 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 it, yeah, it is uh, revisionary is, yeah. sort of history but this comes right at the end of the movie and completely derails rick's storyline yeah and cliff's cliff's b storyline really goes nowhere and cliff having you know been shown to possibly have murdered his wife and you know having you know like him beating a woman to death, it adds another <laughs> layer of. Yeah, you say it like that. Like, that do you know what up. I mean? Like, it's like how I don't violent th- you make it. It is. It is I that violent. It's not, it is that violent. I, I, when, I, you not from the, when you yeah. separate it from the context, we're not overstating anything. When you separate it from the context of the film, yeah. it's hilarious. But, it sounds so brutal. Like, and it, again, like everything in this movie, the scene is fantastic. It's hilarious. It's so well done and so over the top and ridiculously and then, gory that it and, becomes funny and people are laughing and loving it. And there's a sickening head stomp at the uh, end, which we so see bad. from up above, so we don't yeah. see it. It's like, but it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't tie into no. the actual sto- Rick storyline. <laughs> yeah. Cliff's it's just gratuitous. Cliff's storyline doesn't really go anywhere. And his kind of ambiguous uh, moral, you know, center, like, that, that, that's, I, but Tarantino doesn't seem to be aware or exploring that. He's just like, Here's a funny little aside that this character might have might have killed his wife, and also <laughs> I hate hippies, and he's going to murder the hippies. Speaking of the hippies, just a quick uh, shout out to the scene where the I think Pussycat has her feet on the window. Sc- oh screen. yeah, on the windshield of Cliff's car. That triggered me a little bit. It is <laughs> oh, gross. So we should we should mention that Tarantino's feet foot. Fe- this is peak Tarantino foot fetish. Oh yeah. This yeah. is more. So this is when I say like. This is Tarantino. This is more Tarantino than, <laughs> Look, than it's yeah, good for the movie. I saw a quote on the internet that said, if you don't believe Tarantino has a foot fetish oh. before you see this film, yeah. you will come out a believer. If Tarantino's movies had never had feet in them until this movie, this, still, is, this yeah. is the movie where you'd be like, something's huh. going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but none of, none of that bothers me. No, no, no. But I'm it's just, just like, Tarantino, yeah. On top of all the other stuff we've been talking about, this is Tarantino going too much Tarantino. Yeah, no. Well, I'm Whether saying, he's self-aware or yeah. not is not the point. No, it's, yeah. it's almost to yeah. the point where he's parodying himself yeah. to the detriment of the actual interesting story of the movie. Do you know? Yeah, I, I'd just like to point out, though, that dirty feet on a glass right up, in, yeah. right up on the big screen, it's not a good time. <laughs> Also, um, unless he's Tarantino. Also, Sharon's feet on the cinema chair. Don't mind it. Love Margot Robbie, but not cool to have your foot on the chair in the cinema. As, someone, as, as, as people who as, respect the good yeah, cinema. Yeah, as someone who you the know, only thing loves that's going worse to the cinema. Is when they're on the airplane and you got your feet puffing out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Someone's foot popping out. Yeah, that's but because. that doesn't happen in the movie, thank no, God. No, thank God. Anyway, um, um, yeah, so the hippies get beaten to death. Yeah. And then Rick, Rick's listening to music or something. Yeah, Rick's in his pool listening to headphones, so he can't hear what's going on, all the screaming and yelling and carrying on. And then, like, the the one hippie girl, Sadie, I think they yeah, call with, her. Yeah, with the knife. Who I think's based on Susan Atkins, which is, like, you know, one of the Manson family members. She like, she's, like, bleeding, you know, all her face is all messed up, and she's, like, she runs through the glass. Into the pool. And this is the thing, like, it's it, it reminded me of, like, a, a Sam Raimi comedy horror or something like yeah it, it, it like completely changes gears 
Yeah. Like the movie is one thing and then it just ends with this crazy zany like horror comedy Evil kind of Dead thing. 2 kind Yeah, of. like z- silly over the top. Um, she runs through the, the glass uh, door out and into the pool. I feel like the, the, the scene previously to the, uh, a scene previously where we see um, the, the Nazi film Rick did. Yeah. Was that just with an excuse the for the end of the film for Rick to burn someone alive with yeah. a flamethrower? So he just magically has the flamethrower. Same flamethrower from the movie. Yeah, is still, it still, still works. in his shed, and it still works. And he like torches the girl in the in the pool, and it's like she's just screaming, and there's like fire everywhere. And then it's like that's the end. Like that's almost the end of the movie. You know, like it never really. And then like. You know, like uh, uh, Cliff gets stabbed and, you know, gets taken away in the ambulance and, and Rick is like, oh, you know, you're a good friend. And he's like, I try. And I think that's Tarantino going like, oh, you know, the movie is actually about their friendship. But the movie hasn't really been about that no. for quite some time, yeah. <laughs> especially at the end of the movie where it's just become like a horror now, comedy. What, what, what interests me about like we point out all of these seemingly obvious to us flaws in the story. Yeah. Apparently it took him five years. He originally wrote this story as a novel and then translated it to screenplay. So this is actually ties into a point I wanted to talk about is how Tarantino suffers from the opposite of writer's block. He just, (laughs) he just keeps writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing until like someone just stops it. Like he, he, for Inglourious Bastards, which he spent like 20 years writing, like he just, or 10 years, I should say. I think he started, he started in the late 90s and came out in 2009. So, you know, like, he just kept... Like, he, he had, like, his first draft was, like, 400 pages, which, uh, you know, for those who don't know... It's roughly a minute a page, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, uh, roughly equates to 400 minutes. And he said he hadn't finished the movie at that point. That wasn't a finished draft. That was, like, a midpoint of the movie. So, he could have, you know, he could have just kept writing and writing. And... In Glorious Bastard's case, it worked out well where he just kind of whittled it down to the best pieces. And that movie is possibly my favorite Tarantino. Yeah. But I feel like, like I was saying with his last couple of movies with Django and and Hateful Eight and and with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his kind of self-parody, self-awareness, or whether he's self-aware or not is not the point. On top of that, like, he just seems to write a lot of fluff now. Yeah. And leave it in the movie. Whereas before he would whittle, whittle it down to its essential, you know, maybe maybe it's the fact that he, he's not, you know, he, he's um, Sally Menke, his editor, uh, passed away after Inglourious Bastards. So that's, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's that simple. He needs a new editor. He needs another editor. But you need a I strong think, editor to be like, cut this, yeah. cut this, cut this, cut this. Exactly. But I think it's also in the writing you can see where he's just writing and writing and writing. Yeah. And it's all great stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah, all yeah. fucking fantastic peak Tarantino craziness. But at the end of the day... The story suffers for it. Exactly. You get to a point where it's just like, why is this here? This is great, but this really... And the ending of Once Upon a Time is really what completely derails the whole movie. Do you remember... So, he claims he wants to finish and write novels. Yeah. Right. Do you remember I told you I read that book by Nick Cave and the ass saw the angel? And I... Yeah. I was like, he's a great... I said, Nick Cave's a great storyteller, not a great author. Yeah. I, I feel like if... Without a good editor, that's what Tarantino's going to be. Great sort stories, of, yeah. but... I feel like someone who... He keeps waffling yeah, on... Like yeah, like Nick, Nick Cave's good at... Uh, he's pretty good at doing screen yeah. stuff. Yeah, screenwriting, songwriting. Yeah, but I feel like there's a there's a transition yeah. that doesn't quite 
kidding. But see, like on one hand, it's like that's the freedom a novel gives you. It gives you can yeah. ramble on and on, and like you can't really do that in a song or a movie. No, it still doesn't mean it's going to be good. But exactly. <laughs> so you know, Tarantino, it it'll be great for him to write a novel that's you know like, like a Tar- Stephen on, King style, yeah, like, like the crazy hand, epic. Like it does go both ways. Like there, there's like Alan Moore, for example, yeah. who can write really good long form stuff. I don't know if he'd be able to contain all of his his thoughts and complications into a two-hour film. No. I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd want to see what a Tarantino novel looks like because, to me, most of the appeal to Tarantino is very visual. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like he, if he does write a novel, it'll be a very visual... Very like, character... Or it could be very yeah. dialogue yeah, yeah, character-focused. Lo- yeah, like a lot of dialogue, a lot of character, but also like the way he describes stuff in, this, in his scripts, which yeah. aren't usually about, you know, descriptive stuff you know like it'll be interesting how how that that translates mm. to a to a novel um but hopefully he's full of shit and he won't be clear <laughs> um but like yeah like the the ending the ending of the movie almost feels like a piss take like he's like yeah he, here's does. a here's a semi-serious like you know it's a funny movie or like all tarantino yeah, movies, but it's not exactly he's a yeah. semi-serious look at the end of the golden age of hollywood a memory piece, a nostalgia piece about, you know, a love letter to Hollywood and, and the filmmaking industry. Here's Rick and his career and yeah. and here's all the TV shows I you know I used to love and all the music that, that was at the time that I love. And then like it gets he, to the end and he's like, and then we kill hippies. And then it's basically do you remember that twist from Glorious Bastards? Yeah. Here's a similar thing because yeah. you all like that so much. But it's like but he did he did that in Django as well, where it's like and then the slave comes back and, and then gets we revenge. kill all the white racists. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah. that's fine as long as it ties back into the story, which in this case it doesn't really. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. feels like a piss take. It's just him going like, eh. And I think, like I said, after that six months later jump, the movie has nothing to say. Tarantino said everything he can about Rick and his career, and then after that, six months later, then Kurt Russell just n- magically narrates what or everything you need to know about the yeah. Italy trip, and and then narrates the the night Sharon is supposedly you know supposed to get murdered, um, and then and then he's like, and then we flip the script and we actually kill the hippies. Yeah, like yeah. the movie goes nowhere after that point. Like the fact that there's narration and the, the, he breaks the show don't tell. Uh, yeah, a rule. I mean, the only the only excuse I could see for that is it's once upon a time, so yeah, you can but get away. That's the thing is the you know at the end of the movie when they when they kill the Manson family members and Sharon's okay and and Rick gets uh, invited over to to Sharon's house and they hug and like the camera pans up and and it says once upon a time dot 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 in Hollywood. Yeah, and it's like yes, this is a fairy tale. This is Tarantino's uh, you know magical Fake version. Hollywood, yeah. yeah. But it's like you can have that, but also it has to tie back into what was the actual story all along. Yeah, was Rick's career and, and golden yeah, end of golden right. age Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like it, it felt like a piss take. Like he's just like his narration because I have to quickly wrap up because I don't really know where I'm going. Yeah, and then we kill hippies. The end. Yeah, haha. Once upon a time, it's a fairy tale. It doesn't make sense. It's you know. And people say, oh, it's cathartic, you know, we, we celebrate uh, Sharon Tate and, you know, we, we, get to, uh, we get to see her alive after, the, you know, the attack is unsuccessful. And I'm like, yes, one, that requires knowledge of, of the events. Yeah. But two, it doesn't tie, it could, it could easily tie into the, the Rick storyline, but it doesn't. And I that's suppose why maybe, maybe he didn't want to involve Roman too much because Roman is a controversial figure. But then 
like, I mean, he wouldn't. At, he wasn't at, a controversial yeah, figure you, at the time. If you don't want to, yeah. If you don't want to involve Roman in helping Rick kind of revitalize hard. his career, you can't really do the Sharon Tate storyline. Yeah, either. exactly. It's like, you know, it's a you know, you can't because he was influential the at the time. Exactly. Yeah, you you, you can't pretend. No, I suppose you know it, what I mean. Yeah, yeah no, I, like I you, think, yeah. you either don't have them in the film at all, or you have to include, or them. you just say, "Look, yes, Roman Polanski is a bad person." But they don't bring that up at all in the film because it does predate, not directly. No, yeah, not they predate really. the they predate those events. Yeah, but this is one of my one of my things is they should have maybe cut out the Italy storyline, even though all that you know that that stuff's great with the spaghetti westerns. And yeah, that, like that's all hilarious, but like maybe they should have cut that out and been like. Rick's last chance at revitalizing his career is meeting Roman Polanski. Yeah. And so the movie should have been about him trying to bump into Roman yeah, Polanski. Yeah, yeah, like trying to and orchestrate the, it. Yeah, and the attack and, you know, perhaps, you know, Rick and Cliff save Sharon from the attack. That's what gets Rick and in yeah. with Polanski and that's how he revitalizes his career. And that could have still come at the end of the movie. It probably would have been better if it came in the middle. Yeah. But, you know, that could have still come at the end. And it's like, like we were saying, and then Rick kind of, and that, that ties into Rick's career. But Cliff's kind of B storyline, yes, they're friends, and yes, they have you know, great, Leo and Brad Pitt, you know, great chemistry. Great chemistry. Like, Apparently they had a really good time yeah, on the set together, the, and they the wanted bit, to yeah. keep making movies the bit, together. The bit where they're just like watching FBI and, you know, yeah, commenting yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. like, fucking great. Like, so, so, I just want to watch a movie just all about that, just yeah, them yeah. hanging out. But that, because the end of the movie is so crazy, over the top, outrageous, even Cliff's storyline never really ties back into Rick's. Yeah. You know? Like, like Cliff... Uh, That's Rick, why I say it's like two, they're, they're, there's like two different ideas yeah. for two different movies. Yeah, it's like Rick, quote-unquote, breaks up with Cliff, and then at the end he saves him, and he's like, you're a good friend. He's like, yeah. I'm like, no, that this is just like Tarantino pretending like he's wrapping up their storyline. Yeah. He's not actually wrapping up the storyline. You know, the the movie should have been about, like, you know, Rick's storyline, then Cliff, like, getting involved with the Manson family and then yeah. tangentially, accidentally leading them to Sharon's house or yeah. something dumb like that, you know, because it's not obviously based on the real event, so it no, doesn't matter right. if there's a yeah. bit of, you know... Charles Manson... This is also another really fucked up thing. I can't remember if I mentioned it to you guys when we saw the movie. Does this mean Charles Manson got away with it and continued to operate? Yeah, he yes. never got... He never. Which is more, kind of he, almost more scary. Yeah, I assume that he would have continued carrying on. Yeah, like it's a... It's yeah. a, it's a we, yes, we, well, we talked about that after. We're like, yeah. the implications in this new world. Yeah. And that's the thing, is Tarantino doesn't actually want to explore... That could be the horror... That could be the 10th horror movie. <laughs> that he wants to do, yeah. But see, like Tarantino actually doesn't want to explore the implications of his alternate timeline. And if they did, if if the Sharon Tate sequence happened in the middle of the film, yeah, you could have, he would have had to headlines. Exactly, he would have had to have dealt with the parallel, the, the uh, yeah, yeah, universe. But, but because it's at the end, he's just like, eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it would be cool, but, like like fake news headlines yeah, or like that, a that retro, on, you know, on yeah, journal, whatever. That retro- retroactively, I think, harms the movie, where it's like that raises some, you know, interesting questions, troubling questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the fact that it doesn't tie into. Hey, you don't know, maybe Charles Manson actually became a famous recording artist and didn't kill anyone. Yeah. <laughs> See, Tarantino saves the day again. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it just, you know, because Tarantino has said that this movie, you know, is probably his most personal, which I know he's talking about, you know, 
him growing up in LA, yeah. you know, being young, you know, listening to the music, watching those movies, you know, driving down the streets of Hollywood. Like that's where that, that gr- the best part, that's where the best parts of the movie come from. But it's when he goes full Tarantino. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost, yeah, it's like I said, it's almost like he's parodying himself. He's like, here's what you expect from the ending of a Tarantino. I would have actually loved this film a lot more if he, quote unquote, subverted our expectations and actually ended the film much more so- like so- somberly. Is that yeah. the, what's the Look, word I'm looking for? Yeah, somberly is fine. Is that is that the right Nathan? Yeah. Google Som- that. That doesn't sound like a real no, no, word. Som- somber uh, is fine. Is it somber? Yeah, somber. Yeah, somber is a word. Is somberly yeah. a word? Anyway, if he actually ended the film like maybe Sharon does die, that would actually that would actually make the scenes of Sharon living her life and somberly is fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> You know, that would actually make the scenes of Sharon living her life and being a good, more good, poignant. love, lo- life-loving person more poignant. Yeah. And it would also mean that maybe, you'd, yeah, maybe you don't have to make her a character, but her scenes, when she does pass away... Are all like that more scene, powerful. Yeah, it's like they're more, they're more affecting, especially if you see them, you know, if you know what's coming and you see them yeah. movie twice. And that would have made... And I think that would have made the movie a lot better as well, where... Maybe that, maybe that. This might have been selfish of 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 Rick and selfish of Tarantino to write it this way, and and maybe would be a bit uh, offensive to to Sharon's legacy. But maybe Sharon dying is what the the final nail in in his career's coffin. Like yeah. Polanski moves away and is just like, I'm um, you know you know distraught and and he doesn't want anything to do with that area. And Rick is part of that area. Yeah, yeah. That could have been a really like poignant ending. If you're going to do that, though, then I think Rick and Polanski and Sharon should have been friends before the event. Yeah. And then that the event kind of separates them. And R- Rick's career could have been restarted by Polanski, but the the, the attack... The, yeah, traumatized you know, Polanski yeah. and... Yeah. That would have been, I think... Because, you know, people have been saying this is, this is Tarantino's most mature film. No. If they did that, what I just it, said, yeah, it would that would have been. But if what he ends up doing, like I said, it's a piss take. It's a, like a ha ha, like a, you, this is what you expect from an ending of a Tarantino movie. You Which know, it would have like, been a better movie without. Exactly. You know, and it still could have been very Tarantino. Yeah, of course. But it's just like he's doing something a little bit different. Like he's he's and he's tying it back into what the movie's actually about. So yeah, it's like sometimes it's too Tarantino for its own good. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. You know, no, yeah. Um. So I mean, now that we've like talked about all that, let's rewind it back a bit. Just talk about some of the cool little things in the movie. Um, I like the scene. I like the little tiny little scene. It only goes for a few seconds where we see Rick training to use the flamethrower. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like damn, that's too hot. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, is there any way to fix that? And it's like. Rick, it's a flamethrower. It's, it's moments like those little moments See, those that are make the, great, the movie. Yeah, those are the great Tarantino moments yeah, yeah. that kind of feed the character. Yeah. Whereas like the aside of like Cliff killed his wife, <laughs> that's just raising questions that are yeah, yeah. never really answered yeah. and, and just kind of troubling. It's that, it's that Tarantino flavor that we like so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can still have that flavor, but it has to kind of be a bit more meaningful. Yeah. You know? Um, like all the bounty law yeah. stuff, 
fan fucking tastic. Oh man, like recreating yeah. the old like early late fifties, early sixties. Even his TV spot show, in Western. FBI. I was just like, I want to oh, watch that TV show. I want to so watch good. that. That that actually that scene that scene he's in. Like actually, Burt Reynolds played that <laughs> character. So it's like they inserted him and said, oh, and the scene where. Um, Jim Stacy's talking to Rick about how oh, I heard you almost got the McQueen role in The Great Escape. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like that, that like I don't know what the it's called, but that that music where it's like dun, like it's like yeah. something went off in Rick's brain. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. He's just broke. He just broke him. Yeah, and then yeah. he like it's like a flash where it's like, what if Rick yeah, starts yeah, starting? Yeah, that was so good. They, so good. they digitally assert, yeah, yeah. insert him into Great Escape. Like so good. See, that's all stuff that's a great Tarantino flourish, but it feeds into Rick's character, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and that's what so he's good. best at. Yeah. Also, like, I love the straight-up alcoholism in this movie. Yeah. yeah, and the chain smoking. Like, like I know it's like it's period accurate. You know, we, were actually, like, so we actually in. talked about that, too. This was at an era when oh, yeah, it we wasn't were necessarily... About, yeah. Unhelpful to you in society yeah. to drink a lot. Yeah, we were talking about the Wrecking Crew and Dean Martin being like a functioning alcoholic. Yeah, and how like this was back when it was okay to be. Yeah, a everyone wore suits. Yeah, you didn't drink. Yeah, beers, you if drank- you're a drunk in a suit, it's fine. Yeah, you drank martinis. It's more classy because you could get away with drinking during the day, and you dr- you wear you wore a suit all the time. Yeah. You drank classy drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of my favorite bits of the movie when they're watching FBI and uh, Cliffs is talking about how he's got the acid dip cigarette, he's like, "You can smoke some, but just leave some for for me." And Rick's like, "Nah, my booze don't need no buddy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, "No, I'm good with just being an alcoholic. Yeah. I don't need to try any hippie yeah. drugs." Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. I think uh, that's that's like my high point. Like the high point of the movie for me is just that great atmosphere in the movie. Yeah. The, the the filmmaking bits, you the, know, the filmmaking, bit, yeah, the, like that. That's what Tarantino's obviously passionate about. Like that's what the movie just should the have movie been. Movie looks just brilliant. Oh man, so so good. And like that's, I'll buy this movie when it comes out on Blu-ray. Yeah, just so I can watch the I hope, filmmaking. I also I also hope they have like extended bounty law. Like yeah. scenes. Well, yeah. curious if they, they they knock up a couple of mini episodes. Oh man! Stick them on the well, no, oh, I would love that. Like half so, an hour so episodes much. of Bounty Law. Oh, the story man. is that Quentin Tarantino enjoyed making the Bounty Law scenes so much, like the fictional TV yeah. show. It's quite quick bits that we see. He wants to make like a ten episode series of Bounty Law if he could get Leonardo involved. Leo what? would be involved. Yeah. Right? One, I would be With so Brad down Pitt for is that. the stunt double. Yeah, oh, like, imagine- and they, they do like, like obvious obviously. shots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man! Like Tarantino said, yeah, he wants like yeah. ten, like just thirty minute episodes. Yeah. I would love that so much. But Tarantino, every time a movie of his comes out, he always says like, "I've got so much footage, I could make a prequel. I've got so many yeah. ideas, I could make a sequel. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I could do a TV show. He talks you know? a big game. Yeah. Like I remember when uh, Inglorious Bastards came out, and he's like, "I've got so much backstory, I'm going to make a prequel." And then, I've, of course, he never made a prequel. No. You know, he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I, I can make a Django TV show with uh, Jamie Foxx." And it's like, "No, he never did." You know, yeah, no. so he was. But the but ba- Bounty, Bounty Law, Law could be kind of cheap to make. Bounty Law, I would be so down. I for think. That. I think the only difference is that he's like he has an idea for like just ten short episodes. I'm yeah. like, that's kind of a saving grace. Yeah. But like 50 minute it'll, web it'll never series, happen. you know? Yeah. Oh. It'll never happen. Yeah, even if they're just like mini episodes, yeah. like 10 minutes or whatever. It'll never happen. But no. I just want to see Leonardo DiCaprio like 
in Bounty Law oh, with man. with Brad Pitt as the obvious yeah, stunt, stunt double, like falling off the horse. Yeah. It's like clearly a shot of Brad Pitt <laughs> yeah. with a wig. I do like that when he's about to fight Bruce Lee. He like takes off his jacket and he takes and he, off his wig. But his to wig make looks him look almost like-, like the same as his hair. <laughs> Yeah, no, but they because the, um because Rick has that little pompadour oh, bit yeah. and Cliff doesn't. He's got like more swept back. Yeah. Like every time, uh, every time Cliff has to do a stunt for Rick, he has that little pompadour wig on there. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh man. Um, there's there's no Tarantino cameo in this movie that I could see. He's in the cast on IMDb. See, so it's, I wonder if it's possible he's in a deleted yeah, scene. I the, don't know. Because like Tarantino always cameos in his movies, at least in some way, even if it's a very you know, side kind of thing. He was also on one of the posters for the American release. Like there's like, was he? Yeah, because there's, there's, we, we didn't have those posters, okay. but there's also a poster that has Kevin Smith's daughter on it. And that's the poster where oh, yeah, he's, she, in, yeah, she, he's yeah. inserted himself as I a like, little camera, ma- yeah. uh, ca- Kevin, camera guy. Kevin Smith tweeted, he's like, yeah. she made it on the poster. <laughs> yeah. And he's on that poster. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see it. Yeah. So maybe there's a deleted scene. That's what I reckon. Um, I was, when I was watching the movie the second time, you know how Rick has those little collectible cowboy cups? Yeah. I thought Tarantino yeah, might have been yeah, one of those, yeah, yeah. but I don't think it's him. I think it's just the drawing looks a bit the, funny. Um, it's a great but Tarantino. at the end... Sorry, the Tarantino yeah. cameo... Is it the director at the end? No, he is just a voice in the post credit scene. Yeah, yeah it's, that's what. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was gonna say. Is at the when they do the red apple commercial at the end, the director who yells "cut." I was like, that's got to be him, right? But I'm like, even for Tarantino, that's the smallest cameo yeah, I think he's ever done. Definitely. Like even like you know, in Glorious Bastards, he was like a dead body, and in in Hateful Eight, he was the narrator. But in this one, like for him, just the old cuts, like the smallest of yeah, definitely. That red apple ad is so good. Though. I know it's so on, it's yeah. so on time. This, and he yeah. cracks like, the shit. These cigarettes taste like shit. And it's like, wow, I got a double yeah. gin. Famous famous yeah, who the, who famous the hell actors, took yeah. famous actors like <laughs> shilling for their favorite brand of cigarettes? Yeah. Or, well, in so this good. case, not his favorite, but yeah. <laughs> back in the days when doctors would like, like yeah, have recommend, their own personal, yeah, yeah. less throat burn. The average cigarette. Your average non-filtered cigarette. There's also no Samuel Jackson cameo. Samuel Jackson usually has a little yeah. thing here or there, but nothing. I mean, he might have been in the background somewhere. I didn't notice, but yeah. Having said all that, I feel like I still need to watch it again. Look, yeah, uh, yeah. After having, after you know, great movies always inspire discussion. Tarantino movies, even the not so good ones always spark a lot of discussion and debate yep. and like his movies are just like special like they're it's like scorsese movies yeah that's right kubrick movies tarantino movies yeah like he he's his you know he's an auteur filmmaker you know that like you that's why there's blockbuster literally that's why his movies yeah. are literally blockbusters yeah that's why there was a line around the block like i mean it's not every day we get to see something special and there's a magic about seeing this movie on 35 yeah. millimeter film yeah like how tarantino wants you to see yeah. it and and like i said earlier in the show like how how that experience ties back into what the movie does so well yeah, which the is magic like of the hollywood. atmosphere yeah the magic of hollywood like what you know those old 60s tv shows and movies and music you know um, like it's a great movie and I love it and I'll buy it and I'll watch it I'll rewatch it many times but yeah it's just at this point in, it is flawed yeah it's got those I think the ending is what really lets it down yeah. if the ending was done a little bit better 
or or tied in things a little bit more. I'm wondering how much like do you think there's a lot he left out in a potential director's cut? Look, he doesn't really do director's cuts. I don't think he's I suppose because he probably has final cuts. Yeah, I don't think he ever has done one. But I I definitely want to see the deleted scenes because there's going to be a heap of deleted scenes. Even watching the movie, you can see like there's a couple of bits where it's like I feel like there's something missing there. Yeah. And like I said, in the trailer, there's a couple of shots that aren't there. Um, And I know Tim Roth had a cameo that was completely cut out. So, yeah, like it'll be great to see all the supplementary, you know, stuff. But yeah, it's a great movie. It is great, a couple great problems. Tarantino. Yeah. It's the just, ending lets it down. It's got a few flaws, and mainly the ending, which kind of ripple back throughout your feelings towards the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I feel yeah, there were a few people walking out of the cinema who were just like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, like that, got to that, digest it. Yeah, and like, I heard one guy said uh, there was a, a I think a lady she said something like um, that just kind of conked out, or I can't remember the word she yeah. used. She didn't say fizzled out, but she meant the same thing. It's just like, it kind of ends nowhere. Sp- yes, like sputtered out. Yeah. yeah. That's why I feel like, the, yeah, after that six-month jump and the narration starts and he's just trying to wrap things up so he can kill the hippies, it's kind of like, <laughs> and it's like he's got nothing left here. But see, like we were talking about, he's 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 always writing. He, I'm sure he had an hour more of story he wanted to tell after the attack. I mean, the movie or, or is almost the, three hours long. Yeah. Does it, one thing I'm saying, like, doesn't feel three hours yeah, long. Yeah, it's pretty well paced. Up until that six months, like, that yeah. jump is like... The editing's See, even cool. like, yeah, I think I said before, like, the, the my favourite scene is where he's, he's you know, got the... He's doing the scene as Caleb for, for the Lancer show. And then, you know, and the little girl's like, that's the best acting I've yeah. ever seen. He's like... Rick fucking Dalton. He starts crying. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's the best part of the movie. But those scenes are like intercut with like Sharon going yeah. to see her own movie. I'm like, I love all that. Like, I love it. the way it's cut. Is it's well, it's well edited so that you never really bored it, and it never really, you know, never really feels slow, and and it never really feels like you're you're taking away from one scene or the other. But at the end, if if it just converged a little better, if it just interwove those stories a bit better. It could be a masterpiece. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. It's, it, honestly, it's like 10 feet away from all-time greatness. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, if, if he, like I said, he, if, like, he's someone who just keeps writing and writing and writing, but at the end, it, it felt like after that six months jump and, and Rick comes back from Italy, he just felt like he's like, yeah, I've got more to say, but I just got to quickly wrap it up because I've got this funny idea about killing hippies and... You know, yeah. that's it. Like, uh, like it felt like he. that's where the story should have really come together. And instead, it's just like, I wanted to make a Tarantino joke. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, But I don't think he's really self-aware about it. Some of it he might be, but I, at that point, I don't think he is. That's why, yeah, the film should... The ending is uh, the most troublesome part. Everything, every, other, Almost everything else I can forgive. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the ending is what like throws people off. That's where people like have mixed feelings about. And I think look, people are right to be thrown off by the ending. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think is that all we've got? Yeah. I think that's. I'm it. pretty sure we've emptied the tank on this one. Yeah, top film has problems. All yeah. movies do have problems, though. Yeah. No, Apart very from... good discussion tonight. Yeah, I mean, Tarantino. I mean, it's Tarantino. It's so a good it's like, movie to have. Any good, movie he good, makes, we can have yeah, some good discussions. We'll spark great discussion. He's his own universe. <laughs> you <laughs> could, like you could just talk like, about. He's one of those filmmakers where we get to peer in for a brief window yeah. into his mind, just for a little yeah, bit of time. Into his like dark, <laughs> twisted. <laughs> yeah. 
you know but yeah like he even like he's yeah he's just tarantino verse of movies and he's he's uh larger than life personality and whatever and like his journey through hollywood like you know could make a whole show on just that yeah yeah but um yeah good movie go see it we'll see again yeah if you can see it on the big screen go see it on the big screen oh definitely like such a good good looking yeah movie. Yeah, I, I really like. I really, I'd say I love the movie, but it's you also, loved most of the movie. I love, yeah, like, yeah, like it's just at the, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, it's just like parts of it just let it down. But yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, should we wrap it up. We'll leave. We'll leave the other discussions for next week. Yeah, probably yeah. a good idea. We've almost done two hours. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Like and share the Tuesday Review Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at Tuesday Review AU. You can follow James on Instagram at Channel Drifter where he gives his thoughts and reviews movies that we don't get to talk about on the show. You can find all of our previous episodes on your favorite podcasting app. If you like video games, check out Alan and Jake's Sunrise Arcade podcast. You can also catch Matty J's podcast, Car Talk, T-O-R-Q-U-E, for all your automotive discussion. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Tuesday Review on iTunes. Adios, cousins.